0: Welcome to this edition of What's the Score? Let me remind you, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please click the Like button wherever you listen to this program. And if you'd like to support this and future programs, I encourage you to become a patron via patreon.com. There'll be details to follow in the middle of the program. We couldn't do the program without our patrons, so thank you. And enjoy today's wonderful podcast. (music) Today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. Our guest is a master woodwind instrumentalist who has worked with a a who's who of film composers over his career. His playing is featured on many scores with him playing for instance like the sax or flute or clarinet. His experiences give a terrific behind the scenes look at what it's like to record a film score so I think you're going to really enjoy today's conversation. So I hope all of you please join me in welcoming Ron Lang to the program. Hi, Ron.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, thanks, Frank. Uh, uh, as, a, as a musician, I was known as Ronnie. Uh, uh, now at my age, that sounds too young, so I, I use Ron. But uh, uh, as, as a musician, I ended up uh, as Ronnie Lang. And uh, 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 a, a little bit of a story about that, that my real name is Langinger, uh, and I was at age 16, I was working with Hoagie Carmichael on a radio show. I got started pretty young. And uh, uh, Hoagie, Car- I used to play some solos on the radio show, and Hoagie Carmichael said, can you do something? I can't pronounce this Langinger. I said, well, can you just call him Lang? <laughs> and, uh, at, at that point, it's a true story, uh, as a musician, I ended up as Ronnie Lang, Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, anyway, I I thought I'd interject because uh, I've used Ron lately because, like I say, I'm more of a Ron than a Ronnie these days. I understand. Anyway, uh, 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 Frank, uh, uh, did you want me to to give you a a thumbnail of how I became a musician and well, all Well, yeah,
0: well, I think what, how we usually start our uh, talks with our guests is to try to learn a little bit about them outside of the music world, if you will, learn a little bit about their family, what it was like growing up, and yeah, early influences. Okay. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. Uh, I, I, uh, I was actually born in, in Chicago, Illinois, but my father uh, went to work in San Francisco, uh, probably around, uh, uh, you know, in the mid-30s. Uh, he, uh, he worked uh, as a, he was a printer. He used to uh, print, but he printed music. And uh, 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 in 1937, uh, he, uh, my family moved to Los Angeles because he and his two brothers uh, had a printing, uh, uh, they used to print sheet music in those days. Uh, and uh, the two brothers, uh, really half brothers, they were musicians. My father was a kind of a handyman, so he ran the press for them. And uh, my mother and father were very into classical music. Uh, they both liked opera, and and so I was. Uh, I'm an only child, and uh, I I grew up listening to famous. Uh, uh, pianist, violinists, opera singers everything uh, one day uh, uh, they found me, I was pretending to be conducting to an orchestra over the radio so <laughs> I thought I was going to be a genius and they gave me piano lessons well, me and the piano didn't really click uh, I, I uh, had a pretty good ear so I didn't practice that much but I could kind of do imitations and I actually hated the piano, Frank. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, uh, now we lived in Hollywood and uh, used to go to a lot of movies. Uh, I could walk to the to the and we were near Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood. Uh, uh, one day, I went to see a movie, and in the movie, it was nineteen forty. It was it was the heyday of big bands, and I saw Artie Shaw, uh, who. Uh, uh, was a famous big band leader and oh, yeah. good looking guy playing the clarinet and I just, uh, I was awestruck. I said, my God, that's that's what I really want to do. So I ran home and I said, uh, you know, here I have a lousy piano player. I said to my mother and father, uh, I want a clarinet. And then they said, uh, why? Well, I want to be R.D. Shaw. And my mother said, y- you can't make a living playing the clarinet. She said, in a little village that I grew up in, back in Europe, uh, the clarinet player would come, and, and he said when he got through, he's lucky to get a piece of cake and a glass of wine. That's what she thought of clarinet players. So... Uh, <laughs> in Hollywood and I got a teacher and uh, I ran around trying to be R.D. Shaw well uh, hardly anybody ever uh, got to be, be he and Benny Goodman were the, were the two great clarinet players and anyway to make a long story short uh, uh, I was uh, I had a pretty good ear for, for playing and uh, uh, because it was a big band uh, uh, era at that time I had to learn the saxophone, and I think I said I wasn't gonna be R.D. Shaw, I was pretty good on the clarinet, but I I, uh, picked up the saxophone, had a good teacher, and uh, uh, now I'm talking about age 13, 14. Wow. Uh, uh, By the time I was 16 years old, after playing uh, three or four years, I was was good enough uh, uh, to, to be a, a, at a professional level, but I was pretty young, you know. And uh, my parents said, "Oh, you got to go to college." And so I, I uh, this was kind of the end of the Second World War. Uh, I I applied to the college, and uh, the 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 GIs uh, from the Second World War, uh, like I say, I was sixteen. I, from uh, they had preference and. And uh, to go to school, you you have a class at eight in the morning and one at nine at night. So I was, I did sign up. But uh, 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 well, what happened was, um, uh, at, at, I graduated from uh, from high school. Uh, uh, I was seventeen years old, and I just say I, I had played on the. Uh, oh, I. I, I I was on the Hogan Carmichael radio show with a band called the Teenagers, uh, and that's where I said he said I can't pronounce this Langinger. Please call him Lane. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, when that ended, uh, uh, I was about seventeen. As I say, and I had trouble signing up to college, and someone called me and said there's a there's a there's a job with a uh, an orchestra up in berkeley california at the claremont hotel and it pays 120 dollars a week and uh here i am 17 years old this is i believe 1947. you know 120 bucks a week was was pretty good money in 1947. i bet so, so uh and i was I, you know as a player i was pretty accomplished as uh, but I was a pretty naive kid, to be honest with you. And, but I ended up my my mother and father didn't object because I used to send home fifty, sixty dollars a week. She's sticking in the bank uh, because we could rent a hotel room for eight dollars a night and and dinners. Uh, Nineteen forty seven for for a buck and a half, you can get a steak dinner. So uh, I, I worked that job for. Uh, uh, uh oh probably 7 or 8 months and uh that that ended i came back home and uh uh you know played in some local bands and yeah. I was living living well, at
0: home Ron, yeah. I, I, what i'm curious about now is that i don't know if we have to fast forward too much but at some yeah. point it, it, because we've had a couple of conversations leading up to this yeah. at, at at some point you, uh, uh, a certain individual took an interest in you, Henry Mancini. Well, yeah, that, tell, that, tell me a little bit about how that, how that right. happened.
1: Well, my ambition was to be a studio player. Right. And, uh, it so happened that, uh, while I was with Les Brown, I played a concert somewhere and, uh, there was a number, uh, that featured me on the sax and, uh, Henry Mancini was there, uh, and he came up to me afterwards. Uh, he wasn't a big name at that time. He was working at Universal Studios as an arranger and whatever. And he said, it sounded real good, uh, you know, whatever. And, and uh, meanwhile, I'm doing this this job at the Suffer Club, and uh, somewhere around 1958 or 59, uh, I wasn't doing much studio work because it was really hard to break in. But uh, I got a call to work with Henry Mancini. Now he remembered me from that concert that I was uh, uh, that I played with Les Brown, and he started doing a television show called Peter
2: Gunn, oh. and
1: uh, and that was uh, uh, I was one of the Woodwinds. that was hired. There were three of us, and. uh Peter Gunn of course became a a big hit show and Mancini became uh, a very famous uh, leader and started doing movies and uh, he was a very loyal guy. So the next thing you know from somebody who uh, couldn't break into the studios everybody wanted the musicians that worked with Henry Mancini and Peter Gunn. So... uh, all of a sudden, uh, from not being able to do studio work, the phone started ringing, and my career really took off. Oh,
0: uh, that's that's great. That's great. And it's also interesting, some of our listeners may not know, who was the piano player on that Peter Gunn cue? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, the joke is the piano player was John Williams. Yes. Uh, he used to be called Johnny Williams. Back in those and days, yep. Back, yeah, he had hair and no beard, and... Uh, wow. uh, he, he played the piano, and uh, there are only three of us left uh, from the Peter Gunn Show. John Williams, of course, became uh, one of the, the great film composers. Uh, Dick Nash, who's a trombone player, uh, who's uh, somewhere around my age. By the way, I'm 94. Dick Nash is 95, and uh, John Williams, I believe, is 93 years yeah.
0: uh, So And but, so uh, uh, eventually the... The gig with Peter Gunn led to uh, 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 another gig for a, a film that Henry Mancini did. That that I want to play yeah, a selection. Uh, I want to I want to play a selection from that here. Uh, the film okay. I'm talking about is Atari. Uh Talk to us a little bit about what it was like working on that particular score with with Mancini. Well, uh,
1: you know, uh, Mancini uh, had a knack for for movies. Uh, uh, he did write. Uh, uh, uh jazz he, he could write uh, he he had an act for fitting the music Good. into what was happening on the screen and uh uh you know because uh, uh, he was like i say he was very loyal and i started doing all his all his movies and uh, sometimes i have some things to play and sometimes i wouldn't you know but uh Atari was special because he used all kinds of strange instruments, because, uh, for instance, uh, uh, there was uh, one of the two. one of the things in there was called the Baby Elephant Walk, which was, a, it turned out to be a, a, a clarinet solo. It wasn't me that did that, but uh, a lot of his, a lot of his uh, movie music uh, became, became well known. Uh, after that, and of course, he made albums
2: with his movie
1: music. So, oh yeah. Anyways, well, was—he uh, used all kinds of instruments. We played flutes and clarinets. He used all kinds of exotic he, instruments. He, of, he know, did.
0: Stuff. Let's 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 listen to an example of that. Uh, hey. This cue, this this cue comes from the movie Atari. Uh, it's right. called it's it's called Crocodile Go Home, uh, and it, it does feature a short solo uh, by our guest today, Ron Lang. Let's have a listen. Thank you. Well, from that, you say the uh, the phone started ringing off the hook, so that's good news. Uh, I, I want to fast forward a little bit uh, in time. You're, you're a studio musician. You're having some success. And then you worked on a movie that, uh, that I remember very well, and I remember the score very well, too. Uh, the film I'm talking about is Taxi Driver, written by a, a, one of the m- famous and most prolific film composers there is, uh, Bernard Herrmann. Tell us a little bit about uh, working with him. I mean, such a uh, an icon, yeah. if you will, in film scoring. And uh, w- what was that experience like?
1: Well, uh, I had never worked for the gentleman before. As I said, uh, at that point, it was, I think it was 1975, I was very well established as a studio musician. And uh, uh, I kind of specialized in, in uh, uh, saxophone solos. Uh, uh, anyway, I... Uh, one day I got a call, it says bring your, bring your sax, and uh, I went down to the recording studio. And uh, I had never met or worked for Bernard Herman uh, before. He had a reputation of being somewhat of a curmudgeon. Uh, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: uh, that's the best word we could use for him. Anyway, he was sitting there. Uh, there was a, you know, an orchestra of 30, 40, even 50 men, I don't know. And uh, he was not very happy because uh, in the score for Taxi Driver, he had brought a recording of an English saxophone player. He lived in England, and he got he, he had an English saxophone player record the theme for Taxi Driver. And they, uh, the union would not let him use it because they had a rule, if the music was going to be scored here, you couldn't bring in something from outside and insert it in there. So, uh, like I say, he was sitting there uh, really not very happy, he didn't have much to say to me, and uh, they played it for me, and uh, I said, fine, I, I, I recorded it, and they seemed pleased with it, at least uh, he didn't say anything, and uh, it turns out that theme was used about 50 times in the picture, and my running joke was if I had known that it uses it that much, I should have asked him for more money.
0: Yeah, you know? it sounds like it was, because you're right, it was used a lot. Uh,
1: uh, uh, you know, it was a recurring theme. The only really, uh, all the other stuff sounded like sound effects, but that particular theme was the only melodic theme, and at, at, at a certain point, he'd be in his cabin, bang, there would be, would go again. And uh, anyway, that's uh, uh, unfortunately, he was not a well man, and he died within a day or two after we finished that recording so wow. uh, and uh but it, it, it's uh, it's probably the thing I'm most uh proud of because uh and and oh by the way, in those days the the musician soloists never got credit in the movies uh, uh it had, later on, people like John Williams would make it a point to credit. A saxophone, a clarinet, whatever that plays solos for him. But in those days, it didn't happen. So yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's 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 the thing that I remember the most. Now, Frank, yeah, you're going to ask me some more about other people.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But let's—I tell you what, though. Let's let's go ahead and hear this—a uh, uh, cue from Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. And uh, we'll, we'll get to hear some of your great playing on this. And indeed, it's something that's played all okay. throughout the film. So. Uh, Let's just sit back, relax. This is, again, from the film Taxi Driver. I'm sorry? Okay. Okay. We're going to listen to this from the film Taxi Driver, and it's written by composer Bernard Herrmann. We mentioned uh, John Williams just a, a moment ago. I know that you worked on a lot of uh, scores with him. But, uh, what 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 was he like to to, to work with?
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, as I say, uh, I went way back when he was Johnny. Uh, uh, when when I started doing studio work, as I say, because of the Mancini connection, uh, Universal Studios uh, was the kingpin of te- television. At that point in that would be in the early '60s, supplanted movies a lot. They cut way back on the movie production because suddenly people were watching TV, and uh, Universal Studios at that time uh, not they're not the only ones, but they had the most uh, television shows. They had about sixteen shows a week, so that required them to hire. A lot of composers, because they needed somebody all the time. and John, uh, who uh, was had studied composition and everything, was one of the early uh, composers there. Uh, I, I called him a trainee because uh, I, I, uh, the first show I did with him uh, uh, he only had about eleven or twelve men uh, and uh, uh, the the guy that ran this studio there. Would come out and say, "Well, that's nice, John." But to take this out and take that out—that uh, was—that was, that was uh, you know. But people like Lalo Schifrin and uh, 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 all kinds of uh, composers, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, 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 Mancini was already a movie director. But uh, a lot of the guys uh, uh, were early uh, 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 television writers. As, that's where they came from. So John started out, and when he started doing big movies later on, uh, he'd use a 90-piece orchestra, uh, uh, but he'd use all pretty much legitimate players, for symphony clarinets, for symphony flutes. And uh, the only thing I would, would do is maybe show up and play an occasional saxophone part for him or something.
0: What, what uh, were some of the movies that you worked uh, with John Williams on?
1: Oh, uh, you know, it was, uh, I can think of more television shows than the movies. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, wagon. We used to do wagon train. uh, uh M Squad. Uh, 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 there was, uh, you know. I, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I I actually uh, worked more with John recordings and television.
0: Okay, and and, and, and not so many movies. And okay. were you under? Like Williams, were you like under contract to Universal? Did you? No, no, no. You could still you call. could go and record for anyone no. then.
1: Yeah, uh, it was what they called a freelance. Okay. Uh, you were hired by the call. Uh, you'd get a phone call saying, show up at so and so and bring these instruments, and that's the way it worked. Uh, uh If nobody called you, you wouldn't get paid. But it turns out there was so much work, Frank, that uh, it was really the heyday, especially. Of, of someone like myself which were con- what they called a doubler. A doubler means you play more than one instrument. Uh I I had uh three or four saxes and three or four flutes, three or four clarinets, and I would show up uh, and they'd tell me, Bring a piccolo bass clarinet, alto sax and and a flute, you know, and, and that's kind of wow. the way it works.
0: Now uh, you, you worked with another, we've been talking a lot about jazz, which is kind of what a lot of this is going to be about today in terms of the cues, right. but you worked with a great jazz composer that I'm a, a real fan of. Uh, I'm talking about composer Dave Grusin, and the film you worked yeah. on with him was Heaven Can Wait. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that experience? Right. Uh, uh,
1: Heaven Can Wait was uh, a very interesting Warren Beatty, and of course uh, uh, I ended up uh, playing on the main title uh, on a soprano saxophone. And it really wasn't, uh, although Dave is a great jazz writer, there wasn't a lot of jazz in this. It was pretty much almost legitimate uh, 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 saxophone playing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one funny anecdote uh, uh, Warren Beanie, whenever uh, people would record music for his movies, he'd be very much in evidence. Uh, uh, not necessarily. Correct, he just wanted to hear what was going on. Uh, and, and the movie had a recurring theme where he uh, he came back from the dead, supposedly, but he played the saxophone. Uh, and that was a, a recurring joke. Uh, and uh, I had to make up something uh, for him to play. There was nothing written, uh, and it was supposed to be funny. So Warren Beatty was there, and I played a few things, and he said... I want it to be funny, but I don't want it to be horrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so you created uh, that for him?
1: Yeah, yeah. I ended up playing da 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 da. Yeah, S U S whatever. So whenever, whenever they showed a little bit of him playing the saxophone, it, it had nothing to do with Dave Grooze, it was something we did on the sound stage. He was—he had enough of an ego. He said. I want it to be kind of funny, but I don't want it to be really horrible. So, uh,
0: <laughs> so they tr- they tr- they trusted you yeah. with they trusted you anyway, with uh, coming uh, up with yeah. that.
1: Uh, but uh, on that particular picture, like I say, uh, it was almost like a classical uh, uh, piece. So, if you want to play some of the theme of that, uh, uh, did you have that? I don't yeah, know. yeah. In
0: fact, let's. Uh, Let's quit talking about it and let's listen to it. This is the uh, okay. <laughs> this is the main this is the main theme from the film Heaven Can right. Wait that does have uh our guest has a, some solos on this and it's that, written.
1: It, it should have me on the saxophone. Though.
0: Okay, so again from uh, the film Heaven Can Wait, written by composer Dave Grusin. Another one of my favorite composers that uh, I wanted to ask you about because uh, I guess if I were to make a list I think you know what my number one is we're going to get to that later but probably my, my second most favorite composer is Jerry Goldsmith uh, and he also had a background like you said with John Williams He worked a lot in TV very early on in his career and then yes. then broke into films more so what uh, what were what were your experiences in working with Jerry Goldsmith?
1: Well, uh, uh, you know, Jerry goes way back, and uh, I have to tell you, that one early experience, actually, uh, it goes back to when uh, the music wasn't recorded, it was live. Uh, I remember doing a show at CBS. There were shows like Playhouse 90 and, and shows like that uh, where the actual music was done and the show was done live with the actors. There was no pre-recording. And uh, I remember one that was kind of unique because uh, there was a, they were small orchestras. And I, uh, on this particular show, I can't remember the name of the show, but at one point, uh, it was in the days of the beatnik scenes when uh, people had smoke-filled rooms and, and uh, jazz flute was a big deal there. So here I am playing in the Jerry Goldsmith, uh, score, uh, with a small orchestra for this show. And at one time, of course, we had rehearsals. I get a tap on the shoulder. I had to walk uh, across the hall into another room. Now, this is, again, live, not pre-recorded. Right. Uh, I, the room was filled with fake smoke, and they put this silly hat on, on me, and, and uh, I, it was me and a piano player named Jimmy Rolls. Who's a kind of a famous jazz piano player? But uh, we sat in this room and we played jazz for three or four minutes live, and then when that was over, I walked back and sat back down in the orchestra and finished uh, huh. playing live for the show.
0: And so, my understanding, my, my my understanding yeah. is that, and you can confirm this. I mean, this was like a weekly show, or there were weekly shows right. where where Goldsmith only had, you know, I don't know, six days or whatever to write the music for the show, and then you guys basically played it from sight reading, I guess, or maybe you rehearsed once.
1: Well, uh, uh, the music would be written, but uh, 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 Jerry, uh, uh, you know, uh, I agree with you. I think he's one of the, he was certainly one of the best of the film composers. And uh, uh, in in movies, I didn't do a lot of movies in, but the the one that I remember where I played a lot of jazz flute was called in 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 like Flint in yeah. the Flint yeah but Jack Colburn it was, it was, it was the main main character there and uh, there were some scenes there where uh, there was nothing written i I, I would just uh, uh, that was what what I was really good at, Frank, was uh if you had to have one guy show up that could play jazz and classical uh, I'm talking about on just about any instrument uh, I actually did some television shows uh, not not live but television shows where I was the only woodwind so I, I, I'd play a clarinet solo and then I'd play a flute solo and end up with a sax solo you know wow. So, uh, 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 not that other people could do that too I, I'm not saying I was the only one but that was the heyday of of people and I could play a mozart uh, a flute quintet and I could play uh, blues, uh, jazz blues so uh, uh, uh the people that did studio work had to be uh i had studied legitimately and I had learned to play jazz so i, I was i was kind of a uh, what they call first call for a lot of dates where uh i, I I had one. Uh, I, I'm going off the track once, but and you can cut this out. But I always use this as a as an example. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a composer named Dominic Frontieri.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, Dominic, of uh, uh, course, he married the, the lady that owned the L.A. Rams. You know, so and and uh, but uh, uh, he he was a good uh, a good uh, television writer. Uh, and uh, one day, uh, we're doing a television show, and uh, one of the cues was a flute solo of Ravel's Bolero, a classical piece of Ravel's Bolero. Da, right. Da, 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 da. Okay, so I started to play it, and the guy who's running the session comes running out. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't use Ravel. It's going to cost me a fortune uh, that I... It, it, same You can't use stuff that we have to pay for. You know. Right. So, so Dominic Ferrer leans over to me. He said, "Okay, well, Ronnie, on the next take, just play something like it. So, <laughs> no rewriting, no rehearsal. He gives a downbeat, and because I could play jazz and also play the classical flute, I just I just went ba da do 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 da da." I, I played around what a jazz player would do playing Ravel's Valero for wow.
2: about a minute and a half. Uh, uh, I,
1: I, 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 always, I always use that as an example of of what, it, you know, he didn't even think twice. He didn't say, okay, let, I'm going to write something and we'll do it later. He says, just on the next day, just play something like Ravel's Valero with, <laughs> without actually playing it. Anyway, I, I just threw that in. I thought you'd get
0: a kick out of that no I, I do I do it's it's uh it's interesting yeah, but, and I'm always uh, fascinated I mean, for for these TV shows would I would it be that uh, basically you'd have to do all the recording in one day oh
1: sure yeah, yeah. yeah. the TV shows are either three or six hour calls uh, uh, unlike movies could be two or three days right you know yeah and right. uh... uh uh oh! Uh, uh, I I think uh, did Jerry do the Americanization of Emily? Did, 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 was that one of his scores?
0: I don't uh, recall right off hand. I know the movie, but uh, I don't know I, who did the music.
1: I recall. I recall working with uh, uh, oh God, uh, the, the the German director Otto uh, Preminger. Otto Preminger. Okay. Oh, he was. Oh, he was a piece of work. Uh, uh, I I worked a lot with. Uh, Otto Preminger would only use a composer once uh, and that was by mutual agreement after they got through working with him they, he didn't want them, they didn't want him <laughs> so uh, I remember Jerry Goldsmith, I thought it was uh, there was some some beautiful score he wrote and of course Preminger uh, he'd always have something nasty to say uh, you know, uh, I, I go back to the man uh, The Man with the Golden Arm, which was Elmer Bernstein. right? Uh, uh, And that was one of the early movies I worked on. I don't think I was still, I might have been with Les Brown. Uh, They hired musicians from Les Brown's orchestra because it was a set band, and they had a lot of jazz in that particular uh, show. But Otto Preminger was there, Frank Sinatra was there, Kim Novak, uh, and... uh, uh, but Pevenger used to drive composers crazy.
0: So uh... <laughs> We'll get back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, offset the time spent in putting the program together. Or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar. Either way, if you can join up, uh, there will be bonuses, like an additional 10-15 to minute segment with our guest every week, where we'll play additional cues as well as ask uh, some extra questions. And it's going to be only available to patrons. How do you sign up? Well, it's simple. You go to patreon.com slash what's the score, and that's all one word. That's Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash what's the score. Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's patreon.com. Well let's let's talk about a composer that hopefully doesn't drive people crazy and I think you know who I'm going to talk about and I'm going to focus oh, the, rest sure. of the sh- I'm going to focus the rest of the show on this uh, as okay. my listeners well know my favorite hi, composer hi. is John Barry and I was very excited that uh, to learn that you had worked with him on a variety of different projects Right uh, right. and that's and because of a couple of posts on Facebook that's how you and I connected cuz right. you uh.
1: Uh, uh, people were talking, always talking about the albums that came out, and uh, a couple of times I just said, "I'm probably one of the few people left that that played with John," you know. And uh, uh, well, uh, like I say, uh, at the time I started working for John, I was I was kind of a well-established uh, 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 player, and uh, uh, I did uh, uh, quite a few uh, 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 movies with John. Uh, I didn't do some of the ones that where he used a kind of a classical orchestra, like Dances with the Wolves and and uh, the other that he won the awards with. Uh, uh, but I I, I remember, uh, of course, the most well known thing and the and the and the one that I you know feel the the, the best about was Body Heat. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Body Heat is a is a classic film uh, and uh uh, he decided uh, he featured the Elvis acts uh, uh, a great deal on that uh, particular film. And um, uh, by the way, uh, I might add that John was one of my favorite people to work for because he was a quiet, unassuming, uh, soft-spoken guy, and uh, he was, uh, you know, he he was complimentary and everything. I never he never. Some raise his voice or, or anything, and uh, he uh, um, uh, he told me that uh, when it came to the saxophone, he was a was a big fan of Paul Desmond, and I, uh, Paul Desmond was the was the Dave Brubeck saxophone player.
2: oh ah, okay. And,
1: yeah, uh, he actually wrote uh, uh, one of the most recorded jazz pieces of all time, which is called Take 5. Oh yeah,
0: I uh, love that. Yeah.
1: Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul made a lot of money out of that, maybe more than he did working with Dave Brubeck. but uh, I love Paul Desmond. I love his style of playing. Uh, uh, he was far removed from Charlie Parker, uh, uh, who, who I also had to imitate occasionally, but uh, he said, you know, I want you to play your own style, but But as if maybe Paul Desmond was playing that. So uh, we played that, and, uh, uh, you know, he seemed pleased with it. And uh, uh, Again, uh, there was no screen credit, uh, because it just wasn't done in those
0: days. Uh, And, you know, what's interesting, uh, too, is that, I mean, those solos that you played in that movie is so integral to the storytelling, because it's almost... It's almost like that sax tells the story, musically, well, if you will.
1: Yeah, uh, 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 John had the ability uh, to. Uh, uh, he basically was a simple writer. He never. He he didn't get involved in in uh, uh, trigonometry. when he <laughs> uh, uh he His his writing was was concise to the point it fitted. Uh, Instead said the uh, the movie, um, uh, oh, uh, going back to uh, screen credits, uh, the one uh, movie that I made with John
0: was Hammett. Well, uh, well, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that oh, here okay. in a moment.
1: I jumped ahead of you. Okay.
0: <laughs> in fact, I tell you what. Let's because I'm anxious to hear this. Let's let's hear the cue from Body Heat, where uh, where our guest is a featured soloist. Uh, and I, I'm sure most of you will recognize it. I mean, the, the fact that this mo- uh, the, the fact that this score wasn't even nominated for an Oscar to me is is criminal. And, and well, uh, yeah, you uh, uh, your playing obviously played a big role in that. So let's listen again. This is uh, from the film Body Heat, and it's written okay. by composer John Barry. You, uh, you mentioned also another uh, film that you had worked uh, worked on that was uh, written by John Barry. and I'll have a kind of a follow-up question to it uh, also. Uh, the film we're talking about is Hammett, which wasn't seen unfortunately. It wasn't highly successful, but the no. score the score is fabulous. And uh, uh, talk to me a little bit about you know, how that came to you and, and, and again, what was that recording experience like?
1: Well, uh, uh, I met with John, and uh, he had recorded uh, uh, some—I uh, don't know, maybe in England—because uh, he came and went back and forth. But he brought he brought a recording with clarinet player and a piano player. Uh, he said, "I have an idea of of, of featuring a clarinet and piano all throughout this this movie," and uh, uh, you know, it was again. Uh, he didn't. He didn't overwrite. Uh, it was a simple melody. As a matter of fact, I have a copy of the sheet music uh, uh, on my wall. Because sometimes when I'd work a call and I, I also have a, a body heat. Uh, uh, I would, I would get the the uh, orchestra copier to give me a, a copy of the solo, and I've got, a, I've got kind of a, a wall with a lot of the stuff I did up there. But anyway, uh, I listened to it. It was, it was nice. It was simple. Almost like you were in a in a in a in a bar or something, and and there was a piano and clarinet going, and the piano player happened to be Mike Lang, which I understand uh, you interviewed at one time, and he's no longer with us. That's uh, right, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, uh, Mike and I played this theme, and it ran throughout the the picture. Uh, the interesting part was that the director, I think his name was. Wim Wind Wenders, he's a German director, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, on one of the takes, he happened to be there. He came up and said, uh, yeah, you guys sound very nice. Uh, what's your name? I said, uh, Ronnie Lang. And, and uh, Mike said, uh, hey, I'm Mike Lang. He says, oh, are you related? And Mike said, no, just musically. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he said, uh, yeah, okay, he wrote it down and sure enough at the end of the movie uh watching the uh, went to see the movie and there's a piano by mike lang clarinet by ronnie lang uh see a director could get it done but the but unfortunately john tried to get uh my name put in uh, in, uh another movie we haven't got it to yet but uh, and uh, they they don't have much clout when it comes to that they, they they have the guy that, the, that delivered uh, pizzas uh, to the set. Uh, his name goes up on the credits, but the musicians <laughs> in those days were not considered important enough uh, to, uh, uh, for some reason or other. Anyway, uh, that that was Hammett, and uh, 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 that was uh, my experience with that.
0: Do you, uh, uh, do you, do you do you um are you ever given any latitude to? improvise a little bit on those or do you strictly uh, stay with what's on the written page
1: you know uh when it comes to the stuff that john would write it was pretty much uh he pretty much wanted it played straight i mean if if somebody wanted me to play jazz uh i, I have i have plenty of room to improvise oh mancini had a st- a stock thing when uh, uh a lot of jazz playing mostly on records but uh He'd say, "Play whatever you want, but he said, "Stay in the low register and don't play too many notes so uh, that was that was meant he said uh, he 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 didn't want you to overdo it, but when it when it came to uh themes like uh, uh you know uh, body heat and, and taxi driver and Hammet, pretty much uh the only thing you could do is uh, is the inflection uh, uh being able to do kind of impart your style of playing in that, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 that was pretty much Libra. But as far as uh, you know, ad living uh, on a theme, uh, I've had to do that at times. I I, I remember James Horner at one time, on uh, one of his early movies, uh, uh, I had to play soprano sax. He he, he, he didn't he didn't even, he didn't even write anything. He said. Uh, there's some kids there uh, playing. Just uh, play some jazz,
2: you know. And then
1: I would, I'd play something.
2: You yeah. Know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. But oh, uh, uh, the occasion point was this was this uh, uh, bolero. Uh, that that doesn't happen very often. But, uh, the, John knew exactly what he wanted, uh, but he knew that uh, uh, you Well, know, uh, my style of of playing, I could I could adapt it to. To make it kind of what he had in mind. That, yeah. that was, that what's was the it,
0: thing. What's it like when you're sitting in a theater and seeing a movie for the first time and and hearing the music you played on? Is there is that is that really special experience, or is there emotions that you experience uh, with that? Uh, uh,
1: uh, I, mostly television now because I don't go <laughs> I, I don't go to many movies anymore. Uh, but but you know when it comes to uh, 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 I can actually punch up Taxi Driver or Body Heat and, and play them in on my television set, you know, but uh, uh, I remember that the shock I had, especially with Taxi Driver, because I went in and, and played that scene, uh, it took me about an hour and a half. I went to see the movie, and all of a sudden, there it was in my face over and over and over again. I, <laughs> that. That hadn't happened to me on any movie. Uh, you see, Bernard Herman uh, on that particular picture, it was almost like sound effects, you know, crashes right. and yeah, and uh, all of a sudden things would quiet down and boom, there'd be the sax, you know, yeah. and and they kept repeating it over. Them. So uh, that for me was was uh, the experience of, uh, but I. I you know, I, I I hear so many. I did so many things that uh, I must have made.
0: Well, uh, it it must be it must be interesting to see how the music enhances the film, or yeah. or oh,
1: oh yeah, uh, I there was one more. I don't know if, if you're interested in uh, that I did with John was called the Specialist.
0: Uh, yeah, we're 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 going to get to that in a moment. To oh,
1: okay, that, okay. I, see. I'm jumping ahead of you again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you just got so much to say and so many experiences. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, let's let's listen to the the uh, the theme from uh, Hammett, which you're right. It's almost like you're in a in a dark, smoky bar, and it, it's yeah, so exactly. it's so it's such a classic sound for the the kind of the exactly. exactly. film noir uh, detective yeah. story. But let's have a listen yeah. to this. This is, again, the main title from the film Hammett, and once again, it's written by John Barry. You mentioned uh, the specialist. You uh, might yeah. find you might find an interesting Ron that there's there's a lot of people that uh, that are fans of John Barry's music that say that the specialist is actually his last uh, James Bond score. He says it's almost a little bit like like a James Bond movie, and there are parts of it that do sound that way. But uh, but I am curious about your experience working on that film uh, and, uh, uh, and what it was uh, like.
1: Uh, actually, I had a Great deal to play. He wrote uh, some very interesting things. There was a trumpet that would play a, a, an intricate thing, and I'd play the same thing on saxophone. And, uh, uh, but he had a he had a kind of a love theme. Uh, it, in a way, kind of like body heat. Yes. Uh, and and uh, it 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 it, uh, it happened uh, with Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone who were lovers and uh in that particular uh movie uh I remember that the, the one scene where they were they were all over each other and uh and uh he allowed me to uh, uh instead of playing uh, uh, instead of doing the with paul desmond that kind of a uh, uh paul desmond they described his sound it sounded like a dry martini <laughs> That was the Paul Desmond. He allowed me to uh, because it was such a uh, it was it was it was almost like an adult film, you know. And uh, uh, they were looked unclothed all over each other. So he allowed me to play that theme with a little more vibrato and enough. Uh, and I remember when I played it, he turned around and smiled at me. <laughs> like,
0: now I'm cu- uh, I'm curious because I know that that the the composer is looking at the screen while you're while you're playing yeah, you you yeah, guys yeah. aren't you guys aren't looking at the screen do, do, do are you are you uh, are you allowed to kind of take a look at the scene no, first before you play
1: yeah i'm looking i guess i'm looking at the music actually but i could see a little bit of what was going on and uh he said uh something to the effect that you know this is uh, kind Of a, a pretty hot love scene, and uh, maybe you could uh, 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 play, uh, uh, uh play a little more passionately, or I forget exactly the words he used, but but I remember that uh, uh I, I, I played it with a, a little bit more, uh, instead of the dry martini, it was more like a uh, uh a hot pepper or something, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think, and
0: so, I, if I recall correctly, the queue is actually called, Do You Call Me?, So, or Did You Call Me?, so... Uh,
1: yeah, and, and uh, uh, one other thing, I, uh, he was going to get me screen credit on this, and so uh, I remember I, I sat there, watched the movie, I, I heard my solos, and I was pleased with that. Uh, but, you know, when they said the screen credits, of course the theater's empty by then, Nobody cares who delivered popcorn, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I I kept looking and I and it, and it wasn't there. And when I talked to John later, he said, "Well, not only they did they not give you screen credit, they took a lot of my music out and substituted uh, 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 Latin music because it was supposed to be in Miami, which is where well, the Cuban, you know, the Cuban, the Mafia, and all, all right. that, and they decided." the director decided they needed more of a uh, of a Latin flavor. And it really upset, I've never seen, it's really upset about about what they did. And of course the picture, I don't think it was a big seller. It didn't do very well. I don't know why. It, was, uh, it had, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's uh, you know, that, that, uh, uh, So uh, uh, I, I especially enjoyed that and uh uh there's one more that i that we didn't mention but i looked it up finally and uh uh i don't know if you want me to jump to that of just you know like i'm talking over you again but
0: uh, well let's I, let, yeah. let's play uh the uh the cue from specialist oh, sure. and, and then we'll sure. come back to that is that okay yeah, yeah. okay okay This again, this is from the film called The Specialist. I believe the cue is called Did You Call Me? And it's once again written by composer John Barry.
1: Of course, I worked on a lot of movies where I wasn't playing. So I was a uh, member of the deep, uh, in particular. Uh, he used a lot of flutes, and uh, and we had a we were it we was supposed to be underwater, and we were doing some. Uh, uh, wasn't wasn't the deep one of his? his oh yeah, songs? yeah, yeah. Uh, but I wasn't featured in it. But I was I played in the orchestra with him, and uh, uh, like I say. Uh, uh, you know, I loved working with him. Loved working with Mancini, uh, Jerry Goldsmith.
0: Uh, uh. So now you you kept um, you kept playing, and then I think, if I recall correctly, you said you had retired in 1997.
1: Is that right? Uh, I retired around 2000.
0: Uh, oh, okay.
1: And, uh, uh, also, oh, the other thing is. All the studio players uh, did the Academy Awards. I, I probably did it about 40 or 45 times with oh. different composers.
0: Oh, another, uh, in other words, in, in the orchestra pit at the Oscars? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh,
1: uh, they went higher. Uh, uh, well, since I worked for all the composers, you know, most of them knew me. And uh, uh, But, uh, you know, uh, John Williams. Uh, uh, John Barry never did that, but... Uh, toward the end, uh, oh, I worked a lot with Bill Conti also. Oh, okay, uh,
2: yeah.
1: He was one of the last leaders I worked for before I retired, and, uh, uh, a matter of fact, uh, he started, uh, they started using him, uh, on a lot of the, uh, he did a bunch of Academy Awards, and I think the last one I did was when Titanic, uh, was, was one of the, uh, uh shows that it was won, I think, uh. Uh, So I I retired around uh, 2000. Uh, uh, In 1997, uh, 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 that's when I re-recorded. I think I mentioned this already, I re-recorded it with the L.A. Philharmonic.
0: Well, Ron, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation. I mean, the stories you have are just fascinating, and uh, what an incredible career you've had. I. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have
1: yeah oh, yeah, thank uh, thank you uh, it, yeah it's, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, i i uh, uh, I can look forward uh, my my career is uh very satisfactory and uh you know uh, we we have we have uh, uh, the musicians uh, 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 that worked a lot in those days uh, but there's very little work like that now unfortunately uh, uh, like anything else uh, uh, other than John Williams maybe doing a big movie and some of the, there's just a few television shows a lot of stuff is done uh, uh, with synthesizers or uh, you know uh, they don't use
0: too many I know it's, it's kind of frightening where it's going right now hopefully
1: yeah it's, it's almost like the artificial intelligence uh, situation that but, uh, 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 you know, uh, it, it's, we did so much work and, and we we're also well compensated with pensions and, uh, I still get, uh, uh, royalties from, from the movies, uh, that I did some, sometimes it's always a shock, you know? So, uh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, once again, my, my sincere thanks to you for joining us today. Uh, thanks to all my listeners for uh, tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed it. A, a special thanks to my patrons that, uh, help support the program. I'm grateful for your support on that, especially since I kind of had a one-month break uh, while I uh, had to back away from the podcast for a while. So thank you for hanging in there with me. So uh, anyway, again, our thanks to our guest, Ron Lang. I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, look forward to more episodes coming up. And with that, there's only one thing left for me to say, and that's simply this, that my name's Frank Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score?